All right. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Gilbert Church. Really good to have you with us today. Uh, before I dive in, I want to let you know that next weekend we are opening our Lakeville campus at Lakeville South High School, and we could not be more excited to see what God is going to do. And so if there is someone in your life, a family member or a coworker who lives down in the south suburbs, this would be the perfect opportunity to invite them to church. You know, sometimes I realize in my own life that I can get so self-absorbed and all I'm thinking about is what I have to get done and my life and my family and what I've got going on. And more and more I find myself going, do I care about other people? And specifically, do I care enough about their eternal destiny that I would do at least everything I can to try to help them have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And an invitation to church is the most simple way to help introduce a person to Jesus. And so it's just an opportunity to go, you know what, my church is opening right by where you live. Would you consider checking it out this weekend, 9 and 11 on Sunday? Again, couldn't be more excited to see what God is going to do. All right, we are in the middle of a series called Come and See because that's been our invitation to you. To come and see who Jesus is for yourself. Not what you heard your friends say. Not what you heard your parents say. Not what you heard somebody talking about on TV one time. But what did the earliest eyewitnesses, who did they say that Jesus was? To do that, we've been looking at a book in the Bible called John. It was written by one of Jesus' closest followers and disciples whose name was John. This was pre-marketing firm days, so there was no reason to have a brainstorming meeting to figure out a creative title. It was like, John wrote it. We'll just call it John. And at the end of John chapter 14, here's what Jesus says. He says, I don't have much more time to talk to you. He's talking to his 12 disciples, his closest followers. He says, because the prince of this world approaches. Now, who is that? Well, that's Satan. That's a spiritual being who is opposed to God. And Satan has begun to influence a man named Judas. And Judas is about to betray Jesus. He's approaching. Jesus says that he has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. And then he says this, come, let's be going. Now, where is he going? He's going to the Garden of Gethsemane. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is in such stress, he's in such anguish, that he begins to sweat blood. Capillaries are bursting and coming out through his sweat glands because he knows what's about to happen. He knows that he's headed for the cross. But before he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus gives one of his longest teachings. In other words, listen up. Because a man who three days later is going to come back to life from the dead is giving us his final thoughts and instructions. And that's where we're going to pick things up in John chapter 15, verse 1. Jesus says this. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. He says, remain in me, and I will remain in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful apart from me. Now, there's a lot going on in that verse that some of it you maybe didn't understand, so let me try to break this down for you. Jesus is the vine. God the Father is the gardener, and we are the branches. Maybe this illustration that I saw my friend Kurt Harlow use will help. This is Buddy Branch. 
And Buddy Branch is like you. He's like me. He's got an Instagram page, so he knows what's cool. And so one day he says, you know what? I need to get some cool clothes. I need to get some swag. So he goes down to the Mall of America, and he just goes on a swagathon. Okay, I mean, he's just looking swagalicious. He's swagged out. He's got the Adidas jacket. He's got the Yeezy shoes. Yeezys, if you're not familiar, are the Kanye West design shoe from Adidas. If you want the gray pair of Yeezy 350s, that's going to cost you $20,000. Some of you are like, my first house didn't cost $20,000. Now, there are other Yeezys, by the way, that are much less expensive. So if you see someone with that, you don't need to immediately judge them. But Buddy Branch, he didn't go crazy. He got the black Yeezy 350s for $10,000, okay? A little bit more frugal, but he's now Swaggy B. He then says, you know what, I need to have a phone. I mean, I need to talk to people and get a hold of them. So he gets the new iPhone 10, goes down to the AT&T store, 10 payments, $107, done. Then he says, you know what, I need to get a car. So he goes down to the Dodge dealership and he leases a Dodge Charger for $249 a month. $5,000 to do a signing, $1,000 collision, title, registration, license fees may apply, early lawyer's termination. <laughs> And so now he's, now he's got his car, and so he thinks, you know, I, I really would love a girlfriend. So he meets this girl named Barbie, and, and it's just they hit it off right away. And then he says, you know, I got to get a job, right? Probably should have gotten the job before he got Barbie, but he got the job, and he's got his very own desk. So he's excited about that. And then he says, you know what, I, I'm going to go get a dog, because you just, you know, man's best friend, you got to have a dog. So he goes out, and he gets a black lab. And Buddy Branch then begins to try to live a happy and fulfilled life. But here's the question. Is he full of joy? No. Is he fulfilled? No. You see, his phone dies at 3 o'clock every day. He's on it all the time. Something's wrong with the battery. He can't figure out what the problem is. Barbie leaves him for some guy named Ken. No clue why. Just, no, she didn't even explain it. She just up and left one day. His credit score is terrible. He's $90,000 in debt. He doesn't like his job. And when he came home on Monday, his dog peed on his Yeezys. Now, that's graphic, but I wanted you to feel his pain. Here's Buddy Branch's problem, and oftentimes this is our problem as well. He missed his purpose. Our purpose isn't just to build businesses, make millions, and retire early. If that happens for you, that's great. But that's not our primary purpose. Our primary purpose is to be connected to our creator. If you miss that, then you're going to try to attach to something else in this life that you think is going to bring you joy and fulfillment. And all it's going to do is leave you feeling empty and unfulfilled. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branch. And a branch has value, right? A branch has purpose, but a branch only has purpose when it's connected to what? When it's connected to the vine. Jesus says this, he says, if you remain in me, I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful apart from me. But we try, don't we? 
I mean, our alarm goes off at six o'clock in the morning. We jump up, get on our phone, start returning emails, get on social media, maybe try to slip a workout in, take a shower, get to work, go to a bunch of meetings, come home, yell at the kids to get their homework done, try to fix the garbage disposal, fold the laundry, go to Costco, drop the kids off at practice, pick them up from practice, and then crash in front of a Netflix show. And then next day, do the same thing. Or maybe if you're in college or you're a young adult, maybe your life is you get up, you go to class, you take a nap at 10 in the morning, have a frozen pizza for lunch, take another nap, frozen pizza for dinner, and then you hang out with your friends that night, right? Whichever life you're living right now, there is going to come a moment, if it hasn't already for you, where you are going to go, is this it? You're going to be driving in the car. You're going to be laying in bed before you fall asleep. You're going to be by yourself in a moment of thoughtfulness and introspection. And you're going to say to God, is this it? Is this my purpose? Because I'm really busy. I got all this stuff I got to get done. And I'm kind of stressed out. And I'm kind of anxious. But I don't feel very fulfilled. I hear a lot of talk these days about dreams. Seems like we're raising a whole generation of young people who believe that their purpose in life is to achieve their dreams. It's to believe in themselves enough so they can accomplish their dreams, pursue their dreams. It's about their dreams. And I'm not against dreams. I'm not against goals. But here's my question. Where is God in all of that? In all of the achieve your dream, pursue your dream, believe in yourself so you can have your dream. Where, where does God fit into all of that? I recently heard author and speaker Christine Kane. She said, we are raising a whole generation of young people who have stopped following Christ and have started to follow their dreams instead. Kane goes on to say this. She said, follow Christ and your dreams will follow you. I love that. If you want to fulfill the purposes that God has for your life, if you want to do what your creator has created you to do, then you need to stay connected to Christ like a branch is connected to a vine. By the way, you don't even have to be a follower of Christ to resonate somewhat with what I'm talking about. Maybe you're here today and you're not sure what you believe about Jesus or you're kind of skeptical of all of this. Isn't there still something in you that says, I want to make a difference? I want my 70 or 80 years here on earth to count for something. That's why you hear people say, I'm going to change the world. We're starting a nonprofit. We're starting a business because we're going to change the world. Because God has hardwired this into each of us. That we want to live a productive life. But here's my question. What is a productive life and how do you know if you're living one? I want you to come and see how Jesus answers that question. And what I think we're going to find is that, according to Jesus, your purpose is not the same thing as your career. We tend to think that those are two similar, equal things, but they're really not. Your purpose is so much deeper than whatever you do for a job. Your purpose is not the same as your success. It's not if other people like you, look up to you, think you're successful. Your purpose isn't even so much about who you are, your talent and your abilities and your education. Your purpose, your productivity isn't based so much on who you are. It's based on who you are connected to. Two ways to live a productive life. Here's the first one. According to Jesus, stay connected to Christ. We live in a world right now that is obsessed with being connected. 
In fact, I was reading an article that said that 80% of us, the first thing we do in the morning is check our phone. This was before going to the bathroom, brushing your teeth. I mean, anything. 80% of us are like, just right away, roll out of bed, jump on email, social media, whatever it might be. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I was running on the treadmill when my phone ran out of batteries. And I had 20 minutes to go in my run. And I was like, I don't have any music to listen to. I don't have a podcast to listen to. I don't have anything to read or look at. I mean, it was horrible. For 20 minutes, just running, looking at the time, running. (laughs) And then I got in the car, and the first thing I did was I plugged in my phone. And I caught myself as I was driving. I kept looking over, and I was just waiting for the glowing white apple (laughs) that would tell me that life was going to be okay and I was going to make it. I mean, you can feel it, especially if you're a person who's kind of connected to your phone. You can feel it when you're disconnected. Have you ever seen someone who's pretty connected to their phone and they've lost their phone? I can't find my phone. I can't find my phone. Where's my phone? Have you seen my phone? Have you seen my phone? Somebody call it. Somebody call it. Maybe we can hear it. I mean, they just start to throw a panic. You can see a lot of elbows right now. (laughs) That's you. But you can see some people, there's, they can just feel when they're disconnected. Here's my question. If you were disconnected from God, would you feel it? Would there be something in you that goes, man, I haven't read my Bible in like three or four days, and I can just feel that. I haven't really prayed to God or had some time to talk to him about my life. I've just been going, 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 and I can feel how that's affecting my life. I can feel it. Before I was a Christian, I couldn't feel it. I just, life was just normal like that. But when I started following Christ and I started getting connected to him through church and small groups and reading my Bible and prayer, all of a sudden, I could start to feel it. By the way, other people could feel it too. My kids can feel it when I'm not connected to Christ. They wouldn't articulate it that way, but they would say, dad's crabby. Dad's kind of irritable. I think I caught him at a pretty bad moment here. He's been a little stressed out for a few days. My wife can feel it. My coworkers can feel it when I'm not connected to Christ. Here's what this means. Spending time with God is not optional. It's not optional. It's not something you say, you know what, if I can get to it, maybe I'll do it. It's something that God says, you know what, you're going to get life through this. You're going to draw your strength through this. What if every one of us said, you know what? I'm going to connect to God before I connect to Wi-Fi. Just going to make that a rule in my life. I'm going to connect to God before I connect to Wi-Fi. What difference would that make? Jesus says this. He says, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. In other words, your production is determined by connection. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. To which I respond, really? Nothing? I mean, I know people who are atheists who aren't connected to God, and they do a lot of great stuff that helps a lot of people. So what does Jesus mean when he says you, can't do, you cannot do anything? Here's what he means. Nothing that will last. Yes, a person who's an atheist, a person who's not connected to God, they can do wonderful things that will help people for 10, 20, even 100 years. 
but not for eternity. Because in eternity, what will matter? People will matter. People coming to Christ. If there's a heaven and there's a hell, nothing's going to matter more than that. That's why our church exists. God's approval, that will matter in eternity. You're going to give an account of your life to God. You're not going to give an account of your life to other people. Their approval and what they think of you, that won't last. What about money? Nothing wrong with money, but as you maybe have heard, there's no U-Haul truck behind a hearse. You don't take anything with you. So it's not going to last. Power and position, yeah, that's not going to last either. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Over spring break every year, I try to take some time and I ask God this question. God, is there something in my life that you want to change? And this year, it was really surprising. I was not expecting this. I wasn't even thinking about it. But I had this sense that God was saying to me, study the fruit of the Spirit for the next year and try to grow in them in your life. The fruit of the Spirit are found in Galatians chapter 5. And the idea is when you're filled up with that kind of, with the, with the Spirit of God, with the presence of God, there's a fruit that will get produced. And the fruit that gets listed is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. It struck me that if that was the kind of fruit that was produced in my life, I would be a better dad. That my kids don't need better parenting techniques and, and understanding. My kids need a dad who's more patient and who's more gentle. My wife doesn't need a husband who gets the trash out more frequently than he does. I'm sure she'd appreciate that. But, but what she really needs is someone who's filled with more love and loves her like Christ loves us. My coworkers don't need more ideas and opinions. What they need is someone who's filled with kindness and self-control. And Jesus says that's the kind of fruit that gets produced in a person's life when they are connected to him. Conversely, when you're not connected to him, that's when you're vulnerable. That's when you're at risk. Our family moved into a house last year and we've got a pond in our backyard and we love it because these ducks will come and live in our pond in the spring. And so last year, the mom duck had four little babies and they would swim all around this pond. And then one night we were getting dinner on the table and my son looked out the window and he couldn't even get the words out. He's like, look. Uh, uh, uh. And so we all went running over to the window and there was a mink that was coming out of the tall grass and it was trying to eat these baby ducks. It was like National Geographic going down in the backyard. <laughs> and we were invested emotionally. I mean, we were up at the window, we're like, swim, go that way, no, not that way, go. I mean, we were just yelling out instructions to these ducks. You moms would have been proud of this mama duck. I mean, I've heard moms before use the phrase mama bear. Like if someone tries to do something to your kids, it's mean. You're like, I'm going mama bear on them. You know, you're going to protect your kids a little bit. You should adopt the phrase mama duck. Because this mom duck, she got up on two legs and she started splashing water as fast as she could in this mink's face. And I don't want to call this mink out in front of 20,000 some people, but he was soft. Because it was just water. I mean, he should have been able to get 
to what he wanted to get to, but she splashed so much water that he turned and he ran away. But here's what I noticed about these four little baby ducks. While their mom was splashing, they were glued to their mom's back end. Not one of the ducks looked at mom and said, Mom, whatever. <laughs> I, you don't know what you're talking about. You're always talking about mix. Be careful about mix, whatever. <laughs> they didn't do that. They didn't say, you know what? I'm just going to go over on the other side of the pond by myself. They stayed close to their mom because they knew that's where they would be safe. When you stay connected to Jesus Christ like a branch is to a vine, that's when you are at safest. When you start to drift away, that's when you become the most vulnerable. That's when you are at the most risk of attack. Every person that I've ever talked to who has done something that has ruined their marriage, ruined their reputation, lost their job, harbor, you know, hurt their relationship with their kids, Every single person who's ever done something like that will say to me, I had stopped coming to church. I had stopped reading my Bible. I wasn't going to small group anymore. I wasn't really praying anymore. In other words, I wasn't connected to the vine. And that's when I was at the greatest risk. Jesus says this in the next verse. He says, anyone who parts from me is thrown away. Anyone who drifts from me, anyone who falls apart from me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. I mean, you think about a branch that's not connected to anything. It's just, it's just laying there. It doesn't have a purpose. It's not going to produce fruit. He says, such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But then he says, but if you stay joined to me and my words remain in you, you may ask any request that you like and it will be granted. Now, I've read that last verse many times. Ask whatever you want, and it will be given to you. And I've always noticed, however, that I've read it out of context. I've read it like a fortune cookie. And so I thought, oh, well, here's my Christmas list, God. I'll, I'll take this, this, and this. And then when God doesn't answer that prayer, I'm really frustrated with God. Well, you told me to ask, and I asked. But I noticed something when I read these verses in context, the verses before it and the verses after it. We like to think of God like a genie. You know, just rub the belly, ask for what you want, and you get it. But Jesus says that God the Father is a gardener. He's not a genie, he's a gardener. And when you think about how a gardener works, they plant a seed, and then they have to take some time. They have to water the seed. They have to pull out some weeds. They have to make sure it's connected to the vine so that it will eventually produce fruit. And then one day... The fruit gets produced. Psalm 1 describes people this way. It says they are like trees planted alongside the riverbank. You think about a tree planted alongside the river. It's just getting nutrients whenever it wants. Jesus says that's how it's supposed to be between us. You're the branch. I'm the vine. And you're just drawing strength and energy and power from me. He says bearing fruit each season. There's that word fruit. Without fail. Their leaves never wither, and in all they do, they prosper. This past year for spring break, our family drove down to Texas, and people have asked me, why did you go to Texas? And I said, well, it was the shortest warm place that we could get to. My newborn daughter does not do well in the car, and so we thought, well, let's just you know, load up the minivan, and we'll go straight down 35. 
And so the first day that we were there, we went to Six Flags Amusement Park. And for our family of seven, it cost us over $400 to go to Six Flags. And then when we got there, we had to wait 15 minutes to get through security, 15 minutes to get through admissions. And then we went to this bobsled roller coaster where we waited in line for 45 minutes. So after we got done with that ride, I turned to my wife and I said, we've been here for an hour and 15 minutes and we've been on one ride. We then went on a ride called the New Texas Giant and I thought I was gonna die. I actually looked up this roller coaster on Wikipedia when I got home and I found out that a woman did die in 2013. Now I didn't know that when I went on the ride, but I was a little suspicious when they pushed the bar down and crushed every internal organ. I was like, I can't breathe. But then as we went on the first drop, it was like the weirdest feeling I've ever felt. Everything in my body, like gravity, I could feel my organs and my lungs like coming up and flowing out, but I was somehow was held down. After that, we went on a roller coaster called the Batman. Just take this in for a second for those of you that don't like roller coasters. When we got done with this roller coaster, we went and got a funnel cake. And I was out. I'm like, that was nail in the coffin for me. I'm like, I can't go anymore. Now, people have asked me, was it fun? And my answer was, yeah, in a sick way, it was kind of fun. But the next morning, I woke up, and I went out on the deck at the house that we were staying at, and I opened up my Bible, and I began to pray about some areas of my life that I needed wisdom. And that morning, I wrote down in my journal... And I said this, I said, yesterday I had fun, but this morning I am filled with peace. Yesterday I spent $400. This morning was free. <laughs> yesterday I was tired and irritated. Today I feel refreshed. Yesterday was entertaining, but today I have joy. Friends, I see so many of us trying to fill our life up with entertainment. And we're just running from one event to the next event to the next entertaining thing. And then we get to the end of the day and we go, you know, I just didn't have real time to spend with God. Friends, you don't get things like love, joy, peace, and patience at Six Flags. You don't get love, joy, peace, and patience at the movie theater. You don't get love, joy, peace, and patience at a sporting event. You only get those things when you're connected to Christ like a branch is to a vine. So how connected are you these days? Do you sense that you're connected to Christ? Or would you want to set a meeting on your phone that just says, you know what, this is my time with God and I'm not going to do anything else in that period of time. It might be the most productive part of your day. Here's the second way to live a productive life. Believe that pain can be a pathway to more production. Here's what I mean by this. In John 15, 1, again, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. Jesus says, if you're producing fruit in life, if God is using you, then God is going to prune you. And I'm not a tree, but my guess is that pruning initially hurts. It's painful. But notice the purpose to this pain. It's more production. So, so you can produce even more fruit. It's, it's why I said earlier that pain can be the pathway to a more productive 
life. There are some of us here today who are in a season of pain. And you just, you feel it. That something happened emotionally. Something, someone you love is struggling. You lost a relationship. There's something that when other people talk about it, you just have to leave the room. It's emotionally painful. You might be in some physical pain right now in some way in your life. And I'm not saying that God caused that pain, but I am asking you to consider that God could use that pain. He could take that pain, and someday he could bring something good out of it. As hard as that may seem. Because notice what God's intentions are in the pruning. He prunes, not because he's angry, not because he's judging, but because he wants to produce even more fruit in your life. His intentions are good. Last year, we took our kids to this aviary place, and it was, they had these tropical birds that were flying around, and the birds would land on your arm, and then they'd give you a little cup, and you could feed the birds. So I had these pictures of all my kids. Here's my son, Jasper, and he's feeding this bird that had land on, landed on his hand. And here's a picture of my daughter, Isabel, feeding the bird. And here's a picture of my son, Hudson, feeding a bird. I have pictures of three of my four kids feeding these birds. But I do not have a picture of my oldest son, Micah, feeding the birds. The reason is because while three of my kids believed that these birds were peaceful and their intentions were good, my son, Micah, thought that these birds were out to kill him. <laughs> Here are the pictures that I have of my son, Micah. These are blurry because he was moving, but every time you see him, it's like, I mean, he's just paranoid that these birds are going to dive bomb him any moment. And I wonder if that's how some of us are with God. I've seen two people go through very similar circumstances in life. Both didn't make the team. Both got made fun of. Both got left out and weren't invited. Both went through a divorce or a breakup. Both were in pain. They had very similar circumstances, but the difference was that one of them believed that there could be a purpose to their pain. One of them believed that they would love God and trust God, that somehow, some way, even though they couldn't see it right at that moment, that God was going to use this for their good. And the other person didn't believe that. The other person didn't believe that there was a purpose to their pain. They didn't believe that God could ever bring anything good out of it. Hebrews 13 says this. It says, the Lord disciplines those that he loves. I've always said that parents who don't discipline their kids, they don't love their kids. It's easy to go, watch whatever you want, eat whatever you want, go to bed whenever you want. But if you love your kids and you care about their character, there's time to time you're going to discipline them. And the Lord is the same way. The Lord disciplines those that he loves. He punishes each one that he accepts as his child. If you're dealing with the consequences and the fallout of your sin right now, could it be that God is not even against you? God isn't judging you or anything. God's pruning you. God's disciplining you because he loves you and wants to produce even more fruit. See, here's what I believe. God doesn't want to cut you off, but he might want to cut something out. There might be something in your life. What is that? Could be your anger. Could be sarcasm. Could be perfectionism. Could be lust or alcohol. But if you would cut that out of your life, you would produce even more fruit. 
we do something at Eaglebrook called a 360 review. And many of our pastors have done this. And what we do is we will send out an email to 25 people who know us well, family members, coworkers, that kind of thing. And we'll give them 10 anonymous questions. And the first question that I sent out to people was, what's it like to be around me, Jason, when he's at his best? And those were really encouraging responses. I mean, there was things that people noticed I didn't even see in myself, and I was, I was so encouraged. But the second question was, what's it like to be around Jason when he's at his worst? And those weren't so fun to read. Let me read just a few of them for you. People said things like this. They said hurried, quick, strong in opinions and not interested in listening to others, impatient, speeds past people, body language communicates he wants the conversation to end. One person wrote, to be honest, I haven't really experienced Jason at his worst. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> no, seriously, I did send one to my mom. I just, I knew she'd come through for me. <laughs> There's three ways that you can respond to that kind of feedback. You can dismiss it. You can go, that's not true. You can get angry about it. You know, you, not like you don't get quick sometimes. Not like you do so good at that. You can make excuses. You can say, well, I got so many things going on. Of course I had to be in a kind of a hurry. Or you can say, thank you, God. I'm being pruned. God's not against me. God's not punishing me. I'm producing fruit, and God says, you know what, but you could produce even more if you'd prune some of these things out of your life. What needs to be pruned out of your life this week? You know, as I was thinking about this message, I thought if there was one thing that I could get all of you to do, if I just had pixie dust and I could just sprinkle it on all of you, I would wish that each of you would spend time with God every day. Because I believe that if you did that, you would be like a branch connected to the vine. And God would use your life to produce fruit. And you would have a purpose. And I believe that you would be filled with things like love. Some of us need more love in our life. You've gotten critical, you've gotten judgmental. You need to be filled up with God's love. You'd be filled with joy. Some of us lack joy right now. And it's just hard to even be around someone who's like that or love someone who's like that because they're just, you don't have any joy. Or maybe you have some joy, but not just very much. I believe you'd be filled with things like peace some of us wake up with this low-grade anxiety that is with us all the time, and God wants to fill you with more peace. You'd have patience. Your spouse, your kids, your coworkers. What a difference if you had more patience, more self-control. We're in a series right now on the book of John, and in John there are 21 chapters, which means that if you read one chapter a day for the next three weeks, you would finish the book of John. And reading one chapter would take you just a couple of minutes.
What if for the next three weeks you did that? And at the end of those three weeks, you looked at the fruit that God had produced in your life. Because your purpose, your ability to have a productive life, it's not based on your career. It's not based on your success. It's not even based on your talent and abilities and education. It's not who you are. It's who you are connected to. Let's pray together and let's just ask that for those of us that feel disconnected from God, that God would do something in your life this week. Let's pray. God, I pray for the person here who feels so far from you today and feels so disconnected from you. God, I pray today would be a reminder that when we seek you, we will find you. That when we ask, we will receive. And God, I thank you for today's message that hopefully it was just a reminder that you love us and want to be connected to us. God, if there's anyone here who has something in their life that has been pruned out and it's painful right now or is, needs to be pruned out, Remind them, God, that you discipline those that you love and you prune us for even more production and more fruit. God, would you produce fruit through their life? You're not done with them yet, God. Remind them that you're gonna use them in the powerful ways in the future. I pray all this in your son's name, amen. If you need prayer, come on down front. Otherwise, have a great weekend, everybody.